Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Francesca D'Alessandro, a current master's student at University of Buffalo studying speech language pathology. Additionally, I am your Miss Thousand Islands of New York State, serving my community through AAA appreciation and awareness for autism. And I am Megan Sinisi, a Master of Health Science candidate studying to practice as a pediatric speech language pathologist. I am also Miss Central Pennsylvania and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. This week, we are so happy to welcome Jamie Bianca to Spectrum Sundays. And Jamie will be graduating from Trinity College in May with three bachelor's degrees in educational studies, human rights, and English. She is Miss Bristol and will be competing for the title of Miss Connecticut this April, promoting her social impact initiative, Opportunability, providing opportunities for people of all abilities. Since her twin brother, Brandon, is on the autism spectrum, Jamie has worked tirelessly to advocate for inclusive activities and equitable policies for people on the autism spectrum through adaptive baton twirling classes, speaking at the state capitol, and working with organizations like the Special Olympics, Unified Sports, and the Baseball and Basketball Challenger Leagues. She hopes to one day be the Secretary of Education for the United States and ensure that special education is no longer neglected in the United States. So Jamie, you are a busy, busy woman, very accomplished woman. Could you give us a brief resume of your education and your experience, experiences as a Miss America title holder? Sure. So I've been competing in the Miss America organization ever since I was a teen. I won my first outstanding teen title in middle school and I absolutely loved it. And so I competed three times as a teen and this is my third year as a Miss. And it really helped propel my college education too, since I am a first generation college student. So the scholarships that I won in the Miss America organization allowed me to attend Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. So just being able to have those scholarship opportunities and have all the other opportunities that the Miss America organization offers young women has been so incredible throughout my life. That's fantastic. And I'm always so impressed to hear how early everyone has gotten involved in the Miss America organization. I personally wish that I knew about it a lot sooner. So it sounds like you've really reaped the benefits of all that this empowerment organization can offer. And you mentioned about your education being inspired a lot through the organization and your involvement. So what exactly led you to pursue the degrees that you're pursuing and what was your inspiration behind choosing them? It's actually kind of funny because going into college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was going back and forth between education because I was always so passionate about education. My twin brother, Brandon, is on the autism spectrum. So even when I was little, I would attend his PPT meetings. I would be looking over his IEP or individualized education plan. And that's not something that you hear most children doing, but I absolutely enjoyed it. And so I knew that I wanted to get that education background, but I was also really interested in the policy side of education and human rights and educational rights, artistic rights, women's rights, a lot of 
policy and rights issues. And so that led me to human rights. And then I am also a poet. And so there's another outlier there of, you know, me loving writing and wanting to pursue that as well. So that's how I ended up with the triple major. I just couldn't really pick. And it can definitely be difficult at times, but it's something that I really enjoy. I love being able to write and to combine my love of education and special education with human rights and policy. I find that really fulfilling, especially since I do want to go into a career of educational policy. And as you said before, Fran, I want to become the Secretary of Education for the United States one day. So it's a big aspiration, but the Miss America organization certainly certainly gives me the tools to do that and to dream big. Yeah, you are on the right path. And actually, that talent of poetry is such a special gift. So I'm hoping that maybe you talk about that a little bit later on in our interview, because sure. that is so amazing. I love hearing more about poets and poetry. Sure. But um, it sounds like you're such a supportive sister and advocate just intrinsically, which is amazing. And I think that you are going to be the greatest Secretary of Education for our country that there will be. So much. I hope so. <laughs> for you. But of course, you know, with the autism community, there's still so many challenges and hurdles uh, that are still to be overcome. So how do you work to alleviate those challenges through your social impact initiative? My social impact initiative is called Opportunability, providing opportunities for people of all abilities. And my social impact has always remained the same ever since I was little, but this is the first year that I rebranded it as Opportunability because what I really wanted to convey is that despite any perceived disability, that ableism should not define you and it should not define the activities that you were able to participate in and the opportunities that you receive. And with alleviating those barriers, it really starts on the local level. I know sometimes when we think about change, we think it has to start at the national level, but it's really those grassroots local organizations that really drive change. And that's how I got started when I was little. I started, I'm from Bristol, Connecticut, born and raised. So I started volunteering with Bristol Special Olympics and the baseball and basketball challenger leagues of Bristol. We actually had right near my house, a therapeutic horseback riding center called Shepherd Meadows. And I would help with fundraisers for them at 12 years old. I was super young, but I chaired the pancake breakfast to raise funds for an indoor arena. So change can really start young. And as I really was engaged in that change, I saw, I started seeing the issues and I started seeing how not everyone had access or opportunities to these organizations. And that's when I really started advocating and lobbying for bills in Connecticut and New Jersey and so it's important to recognize that change can start at the local level and then it can increase to the policy changes later on, but it can all start with one fundraiser or one volunteer event. And that's how we can really begin alleviating those barriers and being able to increase understanding for people who may not understand about autism or about any other disabilities. Absolutely. And something that I've recognized just through my own advocacy is that there is so much ambition and initiatives out there for awareness of autism. But now we're starting to finally see some of those opportunity-based 
programs that are creating different opportunities. Now that we know so much more about autism and the research is so much more defined, we can move into that direction. So it's great to hear that you're spearheading that initiative and you're really cultivating that in your social impact initiative. And I love that you mentioned about the grassroots organization because Miss America is 1000% grassroots boots boots on the ground it's the local title holders that really make an impact from the bottom up so you mentioned about having your twin brother being a huge influence on your life how has your advocacy through miss america also impacted your family and your community's relationship with your brother It was really through Miss America that I was able to find out about even more organizations that can benefit my brother and that can benefit other people on the autism spectrum. And while I was aware of some growing up with Special Olympics and the Challenger Leagues, through Miss America, I was able to make other connections and I was able to learn about other events and organizations doing really important work. And I even found a color guard organization, an adaptive color guard organization, and the Miss America organization inspired me to start adaptive baton twirling classes. And so it's really through those connections that I made within Miss America that allowed me to propel these adaptive programs and it impacted my brother and my family as well because my brother was able to not only participate in these programs but I made him a co-helper so he would help me with twirling and choreography and he's really good at it he says he's better than me now so I think he reached the ultimate twirling baton twirling level but he is just really amazing in the sense that yes he can participate in the programs but he can also take that extra step to be a helper and to be an assistant and so it's really given him it's really given him a platform to be able to do that as well and that's something where I've been able to see a lot of growth in him and my family has as well and that just shows you the power of these programs and the power of combining the Miss America organization with other organizations since I am a huge believer in collaboration and being able to collaborate as a Miss America title holder with my baton twirling connections and connections with other organizations, it really allowed some amazing programming to happen. And that's something that was able to connect me to the Miss America organization, as well as my brother and my entire family. That's great. That's such a great example of how teamwork and collaboration can really empower someone um, such as your brother. And it's, it's so great to hear stories about how you guys work together to further your initiative as well. So a lot of our viewers who are watching this are either on the spectrum themselves or are advocates for uh, those who are on the spectrum. So what are some pieces of advice you could give to our viewers to help them practice acceptance and inclusion? Absolutely. One thing that I really learned growing up as an ally and as a sister to my brother is that unconditional love is so important and being able to foster understanding as my brother grew up was something that was so important and being able to love him unconditionally but just have him love me unconditionally is a lesson that is hard to learn if it's if you don't grow through with it, if that makes sense. It's hard to just say love unconditionally, but being able to 
grow up with that and to be able to experience that is something that is really important. And for anyone on the spectrum who has been told that they can't or they wouldn't or that they shouldn't, I mean, my brother, when he was little, he couldn't talk. He was nonverbal. And I remember an experience that my parents had when he was in middle school. He used a computerized device to communicate. His speech teacher actually said to my parents that my brother couldn't talk and he wanted to end services. And that's just mind blowing because why would you wanna end services for a child who has so much potential? But now my brother is able to talk and there are still some speech issues of course, but he's learning and he's growing and he doesn't use a computerized device anymore. And it's something, it's something that can definitely be super helpful, but we really wanted my brother to learn and grow through speech if he could. And so I, just want to implore that anyone on the spectrum who has been told that they can't or they shouldn't, that they absolutely can. And there are resources out there for you and people want to connect with you and grow with you. And that's something that's super important. And also being able to have that autistic integrity as well and view autism as not something that needs to be cured or fixed, but something that is so special and inherent to one's personality, because I would not want to change my brother at all. I love who he is. I personally think he is perfect the way he is. And so it's fostering that integrity and that self-love for who you are and not viewing autism as something that needs to be cured or fixed. It's something that can be so powerful. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love everything that you just shared because yeah. it really speaks to the neurodiversity movement as well, accepting <laughs> an identity of neurodiversity and encouraging people with autism autistic individuals to embrace that as part of their identity. And we have spoken to so many different self-advocates who are, are really eager to have that be a part of acceptance in the world, to be recognized as autistic, but that not be a negative characteristic about them. Um, and you also mentioned about being an ally, and that's a very powerful step towards inclusion in a accessibility to, for these people who may have had barriers placed in their way previously. So how do you feel that allies like ourselves can be an asset to conversations and can help uplift autistic individuals' voices? The most paramount thing, in my opinion, is just listening to the autistic community and seeing what they want out of programming and advocacy and things like that, because oftentimes allyship is so powerful, but as allies, we don't want to overpower the community. We want to be able to help the community. And that's something that I had to learn because oftentimes I'll have my own ideas about things that can be really great or very influential programs or movements. But I always have to remember that I need to listen to the community that I'm advocating for to make sure that their needs are met. And I know how to best and most effectively go about advocating for their needs. So that's the biggest thing that I really learned throughout my allyship and throughout my life is listening to the autistic community, seeing what they have to say, whether it's 
in-person conversations or over Zoom or even just reading research or stories by people on the autism spectrum, Temple Grandin pops into my head as one of the most influential advocates that we've seen in this in this world and being able to just read books and look at research and really listen to the community that we're advocating for is probably one of my biggest and most important tools for allyship. Yeah, and that's something that I personally have been striving for and just reflecting back on when I first started my initiative. Um, I am in a very different place of where I, I stand with my allyship because I want to empower all voices because there are some differing opinions within the community and none of them should be invalidated. So I, exactly as you said, it's so important to really listen and respect all opinions within the uh, autism community so that we can empower all of them. And uh, it's really interesting to hear your perspective because you are a family member of someone who is on the autism spectrum. So uh, could you share maybe some of your most valuable lessons that you've learned from your experiences, either with your brother or just with other um, autistic individuals? So I know I touched upon this a bit briefly before, but unconditional love is one of the most paramount things that I learned. Being able to love unconditionally and to receive that love back is so incredible. And I learned a lot of patience too. I personally don't classify myself as a patient person, and that's one of my flaws as a human, but working with the autistic community and being at different events and volunteering opportunities. I, and just within my own family, I really learned patience and I also learned how to listen. This is another thing too. I love to talk. And so I have to remember that talking can be great, but I don't want to overpower and being able to listen to my brother and my family and listening to other voices of the autistic community is another really big thing I learned. So I would say the, the three biggest lessons are unconditional love, patience, and listening. Absolutely. And whenever you practice that patience, I feel like we get this very specific picture in our mind about patience, but it can also look like appreciation. So instead of thinking of how you want things to play out in your own mind or in your own agenda, appreciation can be a form of, of patience too. So going through different life events with people just of different backgrounds and different lived experiences. So thank you for sharing that. Um, a lot of times on Spectrum Sundays, we really like to talk about the stereotypes and miscon misconceptions yeah. of autism because we feel like it's so important to address them head on and then see how we can break them down and, and recreate them, reform them. So what are some stereotypes or portrayals of autistic traits that you might see on social media or that people that you talk to in passing what are those that you often see? And then how do you think that we can challenge these ideas through our advocacy? I love this because I feel like disability in the media often gets incredibly misconstrued. And I know personally, just from growing up, a lot of people thought my brother couldn't hear or had hearing issues, even though he could actually hear perfectly. That was something that even a lot of doctors tried to keep testing his hearing, but nothing was coming back because he could really hear perfectly. I think he could hear better than I can. So that's one 
stereotypical aspects of autism that often came up or another thing a lot of people would ask I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Rain Man but I believe it came out in 1988 and it follows the portrayal of a man with autism but a lot of people have asked oh is your brother like Rain Man you know, can he remember numbers? Does he have an incredible memory? And, you know, there wasn't that, there wasn't that stereotype. And I really like the phrase, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And it's, hard to compare anyone with autism because nobody's the same you know we're all created very differently and that's what makes us unique and so that that's something that I always had to deal with growing up I always had to say no my my brother you know he's he doesn't do this but this is who he is instead and so I I think the media has gotten a little bit better but there have been different portrayals of autism that have been occurring. And it's really important to, again, listen to the autistic community and to not just create content without their voices, because that's when the community gets lost. And that's where we see ableism come out and portray itself. And that's something that we don't want to happen. So in the future, I really think that as far as media and content creation goes, it's being able to employ autistic actors and actresses to be able to be in those movies and the media and to be able to portray their character how they want to. And it's being able to just listen to the community and listen to their voices and have them say what they wanna see in movies and shows, what they wanna see in different content creation. That's something that's gonna be really important when moving forward and trying to combat those stereotypes. Yeah, and I think maybe it's a speech pathologist to me, but I want to go back to your story about how your brother had been misdiagnosed with hearing impairment. And I think uh, for a lot of people, they might not understand there's what is called receptive language and expressive language. So receptive language is the ability to understand like what is being spoken to you and to be able to decode the sounds and make it into words. Whereas expressive language is the actual ability to communicate what you want to, whether that is through speech, through writing, um, through a communication device. And just because someone may have difficulties with expressing themselves with speech, it doesn't mean that they're having difficulties with understanding. So I think that um, I've seen that a lot too in my experiences when uh, I'm working with someone who's on the spectrum and they're having a hard time expressing themselves, it's often misinterpreted as they're having a hard time understanding or hearing, and that's really not the case. So I just wanted to clarify that for our viewers who might be listening, because that sounds like what was happening with your brother. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of changes that really do need to be made within the autism community and within our society in general, just to create a more inclusive and adaptive environment. So which change do you feel needs to be made the most? A change that I've been wanting to make for quite some time has to do with current legislation, Section 14C of the Fair Labor Standards Act, which currently allows people with disabilities to be paid less than their typical coworkers, even if they're doing the same job. And that's something that is a bit harder to change because it's legislation at a national level. So it's harder to, you know, get 
to that change. But again, going back to grassroots organizing and starting from the ground up, that's something that I find is really important because when my brother does go into the workforce, I want him to be paid an equal wage for the job that he is doing. And there are so many changes I feel like I could go over and address, but equal pay is something that is so important. And it's something that I really want to see for my brother in the future. And since it's 2021, I think it's the time for you know, equal pay to happen for everyone. But especially, it especially starts with taking out that sub-minimum wage clause. Yes. And I think that's a perfect example of how much we have progressed because at one time people with disabilities couldn't even be employed or they weren't seen as adequate enough to be employable. So now that we've moved past that and we know that that is certainly not true and every single person can be a contributing member of society, now we focus on equality and equity so that not only are they having the opportunity to be in that space and to learn like everybody else that they're being compensated fairly as well. Right. So it's wonderful to hear that you're passionate about that because we're constantly just trying to get one step further and then eventually we'll be hopefully where we want to be one day and yeah. generations and generations to come can can reap the benefits of all the hard work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Thank and you. I wanted to know if that was one of the issues that you lobbied for with leaders at the state capitol or if not what were some of the major issues that you were bringing awareness to whenever you met with those legislators and representatives sure so that's something that i definitely addressed where i lobbied was more for special education bills and providing equal access and funding for special education because when we look at different educational budgets oftentimes there is a deficit when it comes to special education. And so after looking at these budgets and analyzing them, I knew that that was something I really wanted to change because I knew that if we wanted to get resources for special education, it starts with funding and money in the budget. And so that's something that I was able to bring up, which was super incredible. And I was also able to talk with legislators about the American with Disabilities Act and how to employ those five stipulations, you know, in Connecticut and whether it's adding ramps to schools or just being able to provide more inclusive and equitable ways for people of all abilities to receive their education. That's something that was really important to me. And it's an honor to be able to do that. I started doing that at such a young age and being able to be in a room with legislators and with adults, sometimes I always wondered, I really hope they take me seriously, even though I am a young person, but being able to have them listen and hear what I have to say is just so grateful. And I only hope that more young people and more people on the autism spectrum and people of all abilities get that opportunity to speak in front of legislators and have them listen to the needs of the community. Yeah, and we are so glad that you are on the ground doing the work that needs to be done to empower those who are a part of the autism community. And I think that your work will go a long way. And even though you might doubt yourself because of your age, it in the long run, it really doesn't matter because the the impact of your words and your actions are part of your legacy and it's going to 
have such a long impact past your time with Miss America even. So thank you for all that you do. And since we're going to be wrapping up today, what is an overarching, overarching message that you would like our viewers to take away from this episode today? I would just say that change can be slow and it can be frustrating and exhausting at times. And when you're an advocate doing that work every single day and fighting that good fight, it, it can be so exhausting. But just a message that I have for advocates and change makers is don't give up because change is coming and it will happen, but it does happen slowly and it happens incrementally. So being able to be there and still fight for that change is so important. But also with that, it is vital to take breaks sometimes and to practice self-care to make sure that we aren't tiring ourselves out as advocates because advocate burnout is real. And that's something that I would never want to see happen to any advocate of any cause. So I would just say that change can be slow, but it's going to happen. And just being sure to practice that self-care and knowing that the change will happen and that you are meant to do this and you are meant to make that change and fight this fight is a message that I would say to all advocates, but especially people on the autism spectrum or people advocating for the autistic community, just keep going, keep fighting and practice self-care when you need to. Yes. And there's a quote that says something like a river doesn't cut through a rock because of its power. It's because of its persistence. Yeah. And that's what we have to continue to keep at the forefront of our minds as advocates. Persistence will get us there and to never let up on, on all the things that truly need to be changed to make our world a better one to live in for all people. Yeah. So a very important event is coming up for you soon. You have Miss Connecticut. So you will have the opportunity to compete for the state representative at Miss America. And other than that, so we know that we have Miss Connecticut coming up for you. Do you have any other autism projects or event, events planned in the upcoming weeks leading up to Miss Connecticut and beyond? Yeah, so what I have been doing, I, it's a virtual series, but I've been doing a weekly empowerment series where I have been honoring autism advocates or women with disabilities who have really been change makers in their communities. And so that's a project that I've been working on and I have been doing adaptive movement classes with my brother Brandon and that's something that has been super fun so look out for that as well but it's been a lot of preparation but it has been super fun with these weeks leading up to Miss Connecticut and I'm just really excited to be able to promote my social impact and perform my talent and just have a really great time with all of my sisters and see who will be crowned as Connecticut. I'm so excited. Well, we are so excited for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences with us, Jamie. We are so excited for you and your fellow Miss Connecticut sisters to go on to compete in just a few months um, next month. And we really wish you the best of luck on that journey. After speaking with you today, we know that you are doing all the things that you can to be a powerful advocate in your community and to be an empowered woman for others to look up to. So we wish you the best of luck on your road to Miss Connecticut, which will be on April 10th and 11th. 
And if you are watching this and you enjoyed Jamie's conversation, please make sure to follow her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Miss Bristol 2021 and on Instagram at miss.bristol2021. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Miss Thousand Islands, Francesca D'Alessandro, and Miss Central Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected with autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism. Thank you.